0: Met Travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool, what do you have to drink? Here, we aim to extend to all who may seek it, disability-centered kink education. In doing so, we're going to be talking about different aspects of BDSM, leather, the the kink community, the relationships and dynamics within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions. Opinions. And they should not be taking this fact or medical advice. We only speak from what we've learned and experienced in our own journeys. And remember, my dear friends, kink is customizable. Consent is the only requirement. Words mean things, but we also give them meaning. Remember, no kink shaming and no judgment. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. Exciting announcement. Guess what, guys? We have merch. We all came up with some awesome ideas, M designed them, and Alan set up our store.
1: We have the classic Kinky Tavern logo, as well as some clever and funny sayings from our podcasts or just from our little weird brains.
2: Our designs are available in shirts up to 5X. Now to get a 5X, you have to go to men's and classic, but there are 5Xs, which I'm excited about. We also have hoodies, tapestries, stickers, blankets, mugs, zip pouches, face masks, and more. So check it out.
1: All proceeds go to our education fund, which helps all of us go to cons, go to classes, travel to cons, etc. So anything that you get will be helping us educate ourselves further to
2: bring you more education on the podcast. If you would like to support us or follow us, we are on Patreon at The Kinky Tavern, FetLife, Twitter, and Instagram, all at The Kinky Tavern. I'm also personally on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. Please do not friend me on that account. You can definitely follow me, and you can friend The Kinky Tavern, but please don't friend me on that one. That's for people I know. I'm also on TikTok at soul. M-X-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L, and on Twitter at Daddy's Dizzy Soul, D-A-D-D-Y-S-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L, and all of those will be linked down below.
0: Yes, and you can also find me on TikTok. Yes, I have a TikTok. I'm never on it, but you can send me stuff at uh, pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. That is also my FetLife. You can follow me there or message me or whatever. I also run the Kinky Tavern Twitter, so.
1: And I am on FetLife at Alan's World 111. Please do not friend me, only follow me there. Those are for people that I know. On Instagram, Lord Allen That would be L O R D A L L E N B Y D R A. Twitter at Lord One One One, and TikTok Allen's World One One One. Please follow me on TikTok so that I can get to a
2: live. Excellent. So please give us a follow, give us a like, and keep up to date on what we're doing with the Kinky Tavern podcast.
0: The topics within this podcast are explicit. Listeners should be 18 and up only. Listener discretion is advised.
2: Hi, I'm Mix
0: Dizzy. And I'm Marky Puprecker.
2: And I'm Lord Allen. And we have the pleasure of sitting down with one of our favorite of the Tavern of Teachers and one of our favorite humans, Master Devin Stone. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> we are very excited to have you once again. And this is one of my favorite classes that I've taken of yours. I mean, there's so many good ones. I know Alan called me out the other day for being a simp to you. But yeah, Mm -hmm. conscious language because your words matter. Mm.
1: This class is kind of about the language that we use in everyday life that, Mm -hmm. you know, might affect us in different ways that we might not be aware of. Like certain words have racist, ableist, transphobic all the ism kind of connotations, and you just might not know about it yet. Uh, so, Master Devin Stone has curated a class for us to kind of touch on those subjects, and I'm super excited for
2: it. Me too. I really think this is, I think the reason it's one of my favorite classes that he teaches is because it, it is so applicable outside of kink, even. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Devin, is there anything you'd like to tell us about conscious language, about your class?
3: Sure. Let's see. Where am I teaching? I know I'm teaching conscious language for House of Kush online. It'll be free and virtual on October 26th. And then I'm teaching online on my own platform November 27th. And that'll be a ticketed event, but online and my Patreon subscribers get into all my classes for free. So that's where it's coming up.
2: And I have to simp for just a little bit because the Patreon, I finally was able to join it just recently. I have been wanting to join it for a long time and it is so worth it.
3: (laughs) Isn't it so cool?
2: Oh, it is so amazing. Honestly, it's great.
3: (laughs) I wish I remembered to advertise it more because every time somebody joins, they're like, "Oh, why didn't I do this months ago? And I'm like, I don't know, probably because I didn't boast about it.
2: (laughs) the only reason i didn't do it months ago is because i couldn't i couldn't make it worth it in my budget like anything extra right now is just not able to be done this month we had a little extra and i wanted to go to one of your classes and your class was going to be more money than it costs for me to enter the patreon and i was like you know i bet that'll eventually pay off And it already has. So
3: absolutely. I try to do at least one class a month that is free to Patreon subscribers. So if you pay the like five bucks a month to be in the Patreon, you typically at least get into one class where the ticket price would have been 10 bucks,
2: which is honestly just fabulous. Like, yeah, that's awesome.
3: (laughs) Not to mention, have you been in the discord yet?
2: Just a little bit. I have not explored it to its fullest but yes i am very excited too (laughs) the
1: discord is super fun i absolutely love it catch M being in every single one of your classes now because they have the patreon i'm pretty sure my presentation
3: schedule is like at least 12 classes before the end of the year so i'm doing a lot of other stuff but conscious language i've only got on the schedule twice
2: yeah, and I will definitely put Devin's Fet Life in the links. I will put each of the classes we talk about in the links. But if you want to uh, follow Devin more, like his fan club loves to, you can go to his Fet Life, And on the left-hand side, there are events that he is organizing and events he is attending. And a lot of times those attending ones are ones that he's teaching. You just kind of got to look at the class a little bit.
3: So yeah. You can also pick up pretty well on my Patreon and on my website.
2: Very true, very true. Good places. I will definitely link those down below as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So let's get a little bit into conscious language. Um what is the first thing that you talk about in conscious language, Devin?
3: <clears throat> so besides my my intro, um what I typically start this class with is a lot of, like, really large disclaimers, um, mostly because I want folks to know that this is my research, my lens, my information, um, stuff that I've compiled, um, so there's not a lot of, like, questions about where this information comes from or why we care about it kind of left to, left for people to think about. (laughs) And then I always make a really large disclaimer before I get started in this class that in every other situation of my life as an educator, I do my best to use inclusive language and create a safer and more comfortable and more welcoming environment. However, in conscious language, we talk about a lot of really harmful problematic and oppressive language so i always have to name at the beginning of the class that you will probably see and or hear and or be aware of some not so great language that may not make you feel super welcome or comfortable um, but that we do that in an effort to you know shine a light on these things rather than to be rude to people or mean so that's kind of how we how we get started.
2: Yeah, definitely. I actually one of the quotes I wrote down was, It is a worthy pursuit to try to decrease the amount of pain that you bring to the world. And I mm-hmm. thought that was an awesome quote.
1: Oh my god, I love
3: that. Right? Yeah. We definitely have a little like mini moment at the beginning of the class where we talk about, um, I, I do use that quote and talk a little bit about like this class is not about being politically correct this class is not about calling people out or like saying that you know because i feel like halfway through the class a lot of people see language that they themselves use on a regular basis and so they're like oh i say that sometimes and i'm like that's not that's not the point right like it's i don't want people sitting in the class like oh I check that box and that box and that box. And oh man, I say shitty things. I feel bad. Like, that's not the point.
2: Absolutely. And you can't do better until you know better. And that's exactly what this class is for in this realm, is to do better with more knowledge about conscious language, being conscious of your own words. And I love that because it is far too frequent that something will come up, both in the world of kink and outside of it, that, that I say, and I'm like, oh that's not a good word. I just realized what that word was referencing, and that's not a good word. (laughs) So, Right.
3: I think uh, one of the big things that comes out of this class every time I teach it is a lot of people having that moment of like, I never thought about it like that. And so we'll kind of go through different words and phrases and, and things like that. And I think a lot of people have that moment of like, I say that all the time. I've never really thought about what that implies or Mm -hmm. where that phrase comes from. And so I think a lot of what tends to happen in this class is some little like moments of revelation of like, oh, yeah, I get how that could sound that way. Or, you know, I understand that the origins of that phrase are not the greatest. Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the biggest things that I try to get across about conscious language is, you know, being more conscious of the words that you're using it's it's not about calling people out it's not about feeling you know some sort of like guilt or upset Mm -hmm. about you know the harm you may have caused Uh, but it's also not about what's right or what's wrong Mm -hmm. it's more about the specific idea of being aware, right? And understanding that, you know, I I do this, um, I've done this all year so far, um, I've got a couple months left, um, but I highlight one of these phrases in my social media accounts every day. And the different posts that I've put up throughout the year, I've had people comment like, oh, what's problematic about this phrase? And I'm like, that's that's what conscious language is, Mm -hmm. right? That's exactly what it is, is seeing a word or hearing a word or thinking about a word or, you know, seeing something online and having that moment of, I actually don't know where that phrase comes from,
0: or Mm -hmm. I
3: didn't think about alternative meanings to that word or that phrase. And so part of it is designed to help you do your own research and create your own opinion Um, So, you know, the ideal situation is you see one of my posts about one of the words or phrases that I'm highlighting and you think to yourself, you know, I don't know where that phrase comes from or I've never heard that phrase before or, you know, something like that kind of comes up for you. Like, for instance, today's word or today's phrase is Asperger's. Yes, yes which refers to a former diagnosis for autism spectrum disorder, right? So when you read that word, you're like, wait, how is that word problematic, right? If you're not already in the know, then you're going to go Google and try to pull up your own research, but then you're going to realize that that word is related to autism. So now if you have a couple friends or family members or people in your circle that live with autism, then you're going to be like, hey, so... I recently read that Asperger's is a problematic phrase. You're a person that's autistic. Do you agree? Do you disagree? How do you feel about it? And then you kind of make up your own mind and you go away from that conversation having the ability to say like, okay, so I've researched, I've reached out to people that this phrase directly affects. These are the things that I've discovered. I have now made a decision that either A, I'm going to continue to use this word knowing that that word might cause harm to some people or B, I'm going to stop using that word because it harms other people or C, I'm going to stop using that word and I'm going to help my friends stop using that word. Right. And so that's how we build conscious language because it's not just about a word or a phrase. It is about being more aware and having the ability to do your own research form your own opinions and decide for yourself what you want to do with that information.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as you said kind of the first step to that that a lot of people don't take is just a simple Google. I don't understand why so many people are so averse to just typing out for example one of for example the one today Asperger's problematic That's literally all you have to put. And it will pop up why or if or whatever what the origin is. One that I was surprised about this month that's very apt for this month was spooky season. Spooky.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So I have had to be very... Oh, yeah. I haven't had to be anything, but spooky season has always been my favorite season. So I've been more aware this month how I'm using that word. It's it's a process.
1: Could we touch on what that means, uh, just for the people who might not know who are listening? So one thing that I do um,
3: is I will search on Google um, the word that I'm curious about or that I don't know the origin of. And then I'll search... An additional word like offensive, problematic, harmful, or something like that, just to try to like narrow my search results. So what I did was type into Google spooky offensive. And the first result that I got was from Reddit. And the title of the article is Spooky Question Mark, a slur question mark. And it's somebody asking. Um, I recently was told that spooky is a racial slur and I wanted some context from people of color to see if there's truth behind it. And when you go through the different comments on Reddit, there's a bunch of people commenting with other resources and other opinions. And a lot of it boils down to um, one person's resource that they shared, which is the word spook has been used since 1801 from the Middle Dutch word. Um, meaning specter, apparition, or ghost. And then they talk a little bit about it being used as a slur briefly in the 1940s. And it says in parentheses here, black airmen trained at the Tuskegee Institute during World War II even called themselves the spookwoff. And it's been used for that purpose for quite some time. And then they go on to say that You know, good on you for seeking out different opinions, but I believe the word spook has mostly lost its racial charge in contemporary language. And this is one of the things that we find with words that have more more of an offensive origin than an offensive use today is that a lot of that language has just been used so often or used uh, in a more colloquial way so much that it no longer means what it used to mean. Um, I find that with the word picnic as well, because um, the origin of picnics was people grabbing lunches and hanging out and watching uh, black people be hanged. That was, that was their happy fun time was, was picnics. It used to have a different name using a word that I won't say out loud, but Now we say the word picnic to reference, like, we're just gonna go have some food outside and hang out with our friends. So there's that moment of like, does it still mean that? Is it still offensive, harmful, problematic, etc.? And the big thing there is understanding that it may or may not be problematic to you. It may or may not be problematic to people that you know. But if you ever happen to come across somebody in You know any circumstance, and you say that word, and they say, "Hey, I don't like people using that word around me." You already know why, and you already have that information. And I think that that's a really big piece of um, that evolution of language is also a really big piece of how some of this language becomes so melded into our language that we don't even recognize that that's where it comes from or that's what it meant, and for a lot of the stuff that I highlight in conscious language, we come to that debate of, you know, does it even matter anymore and does it actually harm or hurt people any anymore? Or is it just something that like, Oh, that's interesting information that that's where that word comes from, but it doesn't mean that now. And I think that's a really subjective and personal debate to have for quite a few of these, but definitely not all.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, love that it's it's not about having a dictionary of words that you can and can't use it's about thinking about the words that you do use and how they might affect other people right and that's one of the things that I love about this class is that it does give you a skill set it's something you can use practically not just these are bad words
1: (laughs) right Devin do you have like a and like this sounds like kind of um weird I guess but do you have like a favorite phrase to talk about or one that like shocks people the most that that might be problematic
3: yeah probably in each section of this class
1: (laughs) okay well let's get into the sections of the class
3: all right um let's see so we kind of introduced the topic of unconscious language and um like the being unaware of the origins or the meanings or the possible problematic stuffs about the words we use and kind of what that does. Um, one of the things that I think really surprises people when we talk about not using conscious language or what everybody does before they're introduced to this topic, which I like to call using unconscious language um, has the tendency or can Enable oppression or stigmatize or dehumanize already marginalized folks. Um, But it also has the ability to lead to unconscious bias. And that's one thing that I like to kind of talk about in each different section. So when we get into the meat of the class, we're in multiple different sections, right? Because language is a really big umbrella. Um, and saying that there are, you know, I think there's a a lot of stuff in here to talk about. So I tried to break it up into smaller sections so we could talk about individual ideas and get like a grouping of words and phrases together to really look at. So I separated the class into um, racism, cultural appropriation, ableism, transphobia, mental health stigma, uh, sexist, misogynistic, gender-assumptive, and then a bonus category because I couldn't find further categories for a lot of the stuff that we talked about just because there's so much um, to kind of try to, you know, like, like Mixed Dizzy said, it would be really complicated to put together a really giant list of like, these are all of the words and phrases that are possibly potentially harmful or problematic. Um, So I tried to break it up the best I could. So our first stop in class is, uh, when we get into these different sections, is racist language. And in this section, we talk a lot about different words and phrases that may have current issues so they might be currently seen as problematic offensive or harmful and then we also highlight some words and phrases that have problematic origins so one of the phrases that I talk about in that section is the the, the term picnic where we talk about you know this one has more of an origin story that's pretty horrifying and shitty but we don't really use it in that context anymore and a lot of people, don't really have a problem with this word being used. But in my opinion, I would stay away from, you know, if I was having an outdoor event, I would stay away from calling it a picnic. But that's just me being me and having done the research that I've done and talking to the people that I've talked to. I've made a decision that in my life, it's not that big of a deal for me to say, you know, me and my me and my doll are going to go have a picnic on Saturday. We're going to have fun together um but if i was advertising an event for you know a class or a social or something i'm not going to call it you know devin's picnic in the park obviously um there are quite a few words and phrases in this section the one that i think probably i really wish i had like a better way to narrow it down because there's a lot in this section that tends to catch people off guard and they have that moment of like wow I had no idea that that's a word that could be seen as problematic or offensive um, because a lot of racist language has become really ingrained and it's really difficult to pull out and figure out that like, oh, that's a shitty word. The one that I think in this section typically makes people think the most is um, it's probably a tie between the word dreadlocks and the phrase master bedroom or bathroom, or maybe even long time no see is a pretty startling one for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. There are some in this section, especially that since this class, I've been able to better have that conversation of, do you know what it means when you say someone gypped you? Do, do you know what that means? Oh well, yeah, it means that they they screwed me over. Well, yeah, but also, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely think that it's um, that these can be especially harmful. Hearing some of these things within spaces that you feel safe can be very. It can rock the bedrock of that safety, that trust. Right. It's unfortunate how much of our language, especially, well, I don't even want to say especially in America because it's it's much more than that. But America is especially malicious uh, with it, I believe, in a lot of ways. And again, that's coming from the American's perspective. I don't have the perspective of those from other countries. So maybe I could be speaking at my ass on this one.
0: But Well, I mean, in America, we use a lot of idioms and Mm -hmm. those are old phrases that have just been used by everyone and a lot of people don't think about like where that comes from and yeah like the implications of like the words used in that phrase and what it means they just Mm -hmm. use it to mean something else basically
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so right yeah
2: I'm not entirely sure if I included it in the recording or not but there was a few weeks ago there was one I think it was before SLC so maybe a couple of months ago but I said something, 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 low man on the totem pole. Ooh, that's not a good word. That's not a good phrase. And it was just immediate, like I said it. And then I was like, that's, that has more meaning than what I was just trying to convey. Let's look and see if there's a better word to convey what I'm trying to convey without using language that can be harmful. And I think that's exactly what we're trying to do here with these words and it's, or with these, with this skill.
0: Yeah, there's quite a few on this list that I didn't realize were problematic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so a lot of the phrases that we use aren't always depicted as being problematic because everybody uses them. But then right. once you have a person of that specific marginalized group like right next to you as you're saying it, you become so much more conscious of the words that you're saying for one thing and you c- become a lot more uh empathetic towards their feelings towards the word I
3: think this is a fantastic segue into the next section of the class which is cultural appropriation in <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
3: you know like uh mixed dizzy pointed out um totem pole and that is one of the words that I highlight. Um, there's there's a few more specific um, indigenous words and phrases that I highlight in this section that a lot of people are like, man, if I would have taken 10 seconds after that phrase came out of my mouth and thought about it, I would have realized that I'm using a word or a phrase, but that's not what I mean. You know, um, like a year or two years ago, I saw somebody... Um, advertising an event called the Power Exchange Powwow, and I was like, "Oh, how cool! An Indigenous-run Power Exchange event. That sounds awesome. Like, cool." And then I opened up the event and I started looking because I was like, I, "I would be interested in like the Indigenous perspective of Power Exchange. Like, maybe they're going to talk about really cool stuff." And then I opened up the event and I was like the people that are running this event um, and the event description say nothing about anything Indigenous. They don't say anything about like being an Indigenous group or talking about being Indigenous and being in power exchange relationships, like nothing. And so I realized all of a sudden like, ah, you are just using this word. And when I point out um events like that and things like that in this class typically people are like oh power exchange powwow, that sounds cool and then they're like oh, wait i just i just figured out that that's not what we're doing here right um but similarly i find other words in this class in this section uh, get people to really think and one of the biggest ones i think that a lot of people don't pay attention to or they don't know about or like realize what they're saying when they say it, um, is the term ninja. So we'll say like, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm a, a whiz in the bakery. I can, I can bake with the best of them. So I'm a baking ninja. Um, and then we don't realize that where that word comes from and what that means. And we're kind of in a way trivializing what it means to, be in that position, right? Because in Japanese culture, the, the ninja position, is, it, it's a position. It is a title. Um, it's something that you earn. And so for us to, you know, trivialize it by saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so good at this thing. I'm a, you know, XYZ ninja is like taking somebody's culture and saying something that makes it sound like it means very little. And I think that that's one that a lot of people get really stuck on and they're like, wow, I didn't realize. Similarly, we have phrases in this section like Namaste and Guru and Peace Pipe and Spirit Animal. So there's a lot of words in here that people really get stuck on and they're like, whoa, I didn't think about that.
1: I even like as an indigenous person, I get asked about Peace Pipes fairly fucking often. I just wanted to point that fucking out. I get asked so often about them. And, like, for those of you who don't know, a peace pipe is for a ceremony that is sacred to indigenous people of Turtle Island. Um, I'm not entirely sure if it's also expanding into um, the side of Turtle Island that we get our First uh, Nations people up in Canada. However. I do know that a peace pipe is for a very specific ceremony that takes you fucking years to even, like, grasp the concept of what it means to hold one. So, like, I'm just gonna be honest, as an indigenous person, please do not fucking ask me about that. Ask me if I've freaking smoked a peace pipe. Fuck you.
2: That wow. That is some fucking caucasity.
1: Hmm? Yeah, you would think it's caucasity. <laughs> you would think it is, wouldn't you? Yeah, no. Other BIPOC people fucking ask me about this. <sighs> so it's not just white people. And I feel the need to say this. People of color, LGBTQ people, all of that. They also have a tendency to use problematic language that they have no fucking clue about. Uh, I was just having a conversation with uh, Domina Tua the other day. We were talking about the word y'all. Y'all is used by a lot of queer people. Um, but its origins are in black southern culture. And nobody realizes that when they use the
2: word. Yeah, no, I use that word a lot. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, I'm, and so do I. But um, like we're talking about with Devin's class, it's being conscious of where the word comes from. Right. Yeah. Okay,
2: I my soapbox. I wanted to point out one that is specifically one that I hear a lot in the leather community, in the BDSM communities that are a little more um, family-oriented, and that is tribe. Mm -hmm. I hear that used so, so often. And it just was one I wanted to put out there as one that's very specifically heard a lot.
1: (laughs) I have had so many conversations with so many people describing what a tribe is and why you as a white person don't know what that is. Especially if you have grown up in America for primarily all of your life especially if you, you know, have no origins in, you know, Norse culture or anything of that nature, like, you don't know what that is. So why do we continue to use words that we don't know what the meanings are?
3: I feel like the the word tribe specifically is one that I think also goes to the other side of conscious language, which is like, almost trying to police other people's language. So I saw a few weeks ago, cause tribe was one was a word that I highlighted in my um, social media posts um, a few months back. And a couple weeks ago, somebody posted something on Facebook using the word tribe. And there were like three people in the comments that were like, Hey, you said the word tribe and you're not allowed to do that because that's cultural appropriation. Devin stone says so. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Because the person that posted the original post is Pacifica. And so I was like, hey, now, um, here's the thing. You can use this term, right? Like people are allowed to use the word. It's, It's not about telling people what they can and can't say. It's about being more conscious. And since the person that posted the original thing that everybody was commenting on is a person whose culture and and background does include having tribal experience, being in a tribe, understanding what tribe means, like, yeah, that person gets to use that word, right? Um, So it's not about, like, learning these words and and memorizing this list and being like, ah, I see a buzzword, I'm going to go tell that person they're not allowed to say that, right? It's it's about being more conscious and more cognizant.
1: Exactly. And, you know, like, people of color all over the world have absolutely 100% right to use that word. Um, however, my problem with people using the word is not knowing exactly what it means. Just like what you were saying, Devin. Um, like, I have... What really chaps my ass is... <laughs> Whenever I see a bunch of leather people all together, all white, by the way, um saying like, "This is my tribe, this is my family," and I'm like, first of all, tribe and family are not the same fucking thing, right second of all, what is your like what is your basis for that like what why do you think that that is what tribe means because it doesn't mean that what tribe means to me. Is I am connected with people all over the United States, even in freaking Ireland, um, because of the tribe that I'm from, which is the Choctaw Nation. Um, I'm connected with every single person from that specific tribe because we have the same fucking ancestors. That is what tribe means. Tribe is not family. That's not what that means. Tribe is being connected ancestrally to a group of people that you might have not ever met before. M. what's one of the worst phrases that you hear as a disabled person?
2: One that specifically bothers me, and this is probably due to personal experience, is the phrase wheelchair bound or confined to a wheelchair.
1: Mm.
2: Not only is that just very negative language around someone who is a 24 seven wheelchair user who is not able to get around without a wheelchair. It also is not true for everyone that uses a wheelchair because I use a wheelchair, but I'm also able to get up and walk for short distances. I use a wheelchair because it takes a lot of spoons and saps my mental energy. If I have to walk around places and using my wheelchair frees up that energy for me. And there's a whole spectrum in between people like me and people who are not able to get around without their wheelchair at all. But it can be really just like negative to call it wheelchair bound or confined to a wheelchair. That's a tool someone uses. That is a piece of equipment that provides autonomy. It provides uh, a way for people to meet their own needs in certain ways. And it can be really difficult to overcome the hump from where you should be using one because your body is at a point that you need one to when you are actually using one. Mm-hmm. For disabled people, that hump is, is a pretty big mountain at times. And so just like reducing the stigma around that, I think is really important.
1: I thought that you were going to say the C word and... Cripple? Yeah.
2: I... I honestly don't hear that much um, used in a negative way. And that's likely because of the circles I'm in. Mm -hmm. I hear it much more frequently as a reclaimed term. So I definitely agree with you that that can be a horrifically negative thing. If someone in public were to call me that or something, that would be very hurtful. But I also see people like Andrew Gerza, who has reclaimed that word and-
0: and we, just, we love Andrew.
2: Yeah. They are just a really a really awesome influencer. We've had them on before and they have reclaimed that word. And so yeah, there's a few other people um influencers who have reclaimed that word that I follow. And so I think I hear it more in a positive light anymore, but you are absolutely correct. That's totally the space I surround myself or the people I surround myself with.
1: Yeah, the the last time I got called that was in walmart uh in august of this year uh in oklahoma so like mm-hmm. it might just be me that gets called that pretty freaking often like in a negative light <laughs> because i do use a cane fairly often and i do limp around quite often mm-hmm. due to my mobility issue
2: yeah you also find yourself out in the world a little more frequently than i do i think True. Um, I'm very insulated, mostly online interactions. So yeah, I can totally see that being an issue, especially in Oklahoma.
3: And I think that those, uh, the ones that you've pointed out, uh, both Em and and Alan have pointed out, are the ones that are a little bit more obvious, Mm -hmm. right? Like um, if if you thought about it for a second, it's probably not nice to say that about a person or call somebody that. But in this section, my favorite is that moment of, realization when it comes to what I like to call the, I didn't mean like you. Mm -hmm. And actually the story that I use when I teach this class is something that I did Um, when I was driving a friend of mine around. um, She had been blinded in an accident and I was driving her around to pick up prescriptions and and do some, some like around town errands. And I had picked her up and we were driving down a road and it was that magical time of day when my visor didn't cover the sun exactly. Mm -hmm. And I said out loud, not even thinking about it at all that I was being blinded. Right. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm blind. I can't see. And she just like tilted her head at me and was like, excuse. (laughs) And I had this whole moment of like, you know what I meant? I'm not saying I'm blind like you're blind. I'm just saying like temporarily because of the sun. And she sat there for a second and still was just looking at at me with her head tilted to the side. And I was like, okay, you're right. It's, it's probably still shitty to say. I, I probably shouldn't say that. And ever since then, in situations where like my eyes are being hurt by something bright or every time something is super loud. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm a person that has, um, permanent, um, full hearing loss in my left ear. So I didn't even pay attention to the fact that like I occasionally use the term deafened or I'm deaf now, um, when I walk out of somewhere that's super loud and then I always make a joke about it. Like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm more deaf than I was. Um, And, like, for me, that is kind of funny. And it's, you know, it it doesn't hurt my feelings. But I have other friends that are hard of hearing or deaf that when I say stuff like that, they're like, that feels like an asshole thing to say. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. You, You deserve to be able to say that and have that space. And I won't say that around you. And, like, there's that moment of, like, I think that... Uh, it's, it's kind of a similar thing that I feel about the term coma. Like I hear people saying like, Oh, I ate so much food. I'm in a food coma now. Um, and like, there's that moment of like, if somebody was sitting next to you, whose like father was in a coma right now, would you still say that?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like if the person sitting next to you was blind, would you still say that? Right. And I think that's the, the kind of awakening moment for most people in this section is like, oh, I never thought about it like that.
2: Yeah, my favorite is when you're pointing something out that can be offensive, and they're like, don't worry, this has not fallen on deaf ears.
1: (laughs) Mm. Oh, I fucking hate that one. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to hear
3: something really funny, the original title of this class was Best Foot Forward. Oh Oh my god, Devin. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh my god. And I I almost taught the class with that title. Like I didn't catch it until I was reviewing my notes a few days before the scheduled class, and I was like, "Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, my favorite conscious language um, like situation is probably um before I was even on the podcast. Uh, The very first episode that Em and Wrecker did, if you guys want to share that one, since we were talking about Andrew a little bit ago.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know how most most interview people, like, when they first come on, we're like, so if you enter the Kinky Tavern and you see a menu, well, when I started the podcast, I said, so you walk into the Kinky Tavern, and I said that to Andrew Gerza who is a human who uses a wheelchair to get around outside of, you know, specialized equipment that they use. They just were like, "Um, well, I would be rolling. And I was like, oh God, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Oh. Yeah. We both felt really bad about that because we didn't even think about that at all. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, oh, We just defended our guests.
1: (laughs) And we laugh about it now because we are so disabled centered now. And like, that is our platform is that we are disabled centered kink education. And like Andrew is an awesome human being who would just point it out and allow a space for that moment and then move on. Um, But we have to be conscious that that's not always the case
3: definitely in the last few years i've i've gotten more conscious about saying things like um you know i used to start out my in person classes by you know can everybody see me can everybody hear me um and then i i started like paying more attention to the words that come out of my mouth and uh, so i changed it to now when i teach in person i um say i ask can everybody understand me
2: i like that
3: and so like that shifts from like, maybe you can't see me because you can't see, maybe you can't hear me because you can't hear, but, you know, maybe you have an interpreter or maybe you have somebody relaying the information to you or, you know, there's there's a million other things. Um, same thing with phrases, like, you know, when you, um, when I teach my consent class, I typically have a moment where I'm like, and it's totally okay to at any point walk away, right? And like, I had a moment when I said that, Um, in a class and I stopped for a second and went well unless you can't walk um, or unless you you know use a mobility device Um, and I was like standing there teaching the class with my cane at the time like and it just kind of hit me like I said walk away not everybody walks away to get away from a situation some people roll away some people limp away some people like you know there's a million different ways to to leave a situation and I was like huh And now I'm just a little bit more conscious about, you know, when I say things like that, even if I do actually say it out of my face, you know, I have that 10 seconds afterwards and I catch it. And, you know, sometimes I do it in class and I'm like, you know, oh, so earlier I was talking about a thing and I said this phrase and I want to name that I said that and I might have alienated some people by saying that. And I just want to. Throw it out there that, like, I should have said this, and I apologize if I harmed anyone. Um, but I also always offer the opportunity to say, like, when I first start out any of my classes, I always say that, you know, I, I aim to use inclusive language and um, create a welcoming and affirming space. And if you find that I'm not doing that, please let me know. Um, and I really do mean it, you know, even interrupt me mid-sentence and, you know, say, hey, Devin, you said something, that." you know made me feel excluded or made me feel bad and like I want to have that opportunity to educate myself and correct myself so I can do better and make everybody feel welcome you know it is it is my my worthy pursuit to decrease the amount of harm I bring into the world
2: and this is where this week's episode will halt however we do have part two of Conscious Language with Master Devin Stone coming out next Sunday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope to see you then, and here is the always promised daddy joke. All right, now, Daddy, would you please lead us out with a daddy joke?
0: I was going to say, y'all are not going to like me after this one. Why? Well, it's uh-huh. not too bad, but it's it's a bad joke. It's, they're always bad. They're always yeah. bad,
1: babe. They're always yeah. bad. <laughs>
0: okay so why don't we see elephants hiding in trees
1: i don't know why why
0: because they're because they're really good at it
1: oh my god (laughs) okay so dumb
2: oh my god okay bye everybody (laughs) thank you so much Devin.